With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tuesday, August 31st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the Indians are in Kansas City to open a six-game road trip, uh, take on the Royals tonight, uh, but they will be without catcher Wilson Ramos. He goes on the injured list with an ACL tear, uh, MCL sprain suffered in that uh, come-from-behind win on Sunday against Boston that really he was a, a big part of before he got injured, uh, you know, with a, a two run single in that game uh, and then making a, a nice defensive play. Uh, unfortunately, he, he slipped, uh, twisted up his knee, and now he will be lost for the rest of the season. His, his time on the roster probably was short anyways, uh, because Roberto Perez is sort of in the pipeline, beginning a rehab assignment in Akron uh, tonight. But Wilson Ramos had done a pretty decent job for the Indians in, in that fill-in role. Yeah, he sure did, Joe. Uh, you know, he gave him some pop off the bench, homered in his first two uh, games with the Indians. I think the first guy to do that since uh, Abraham uh, Almonte. And, uh, you know, just did a nice job behind the plate and, uh, you know, kind of was offered him some power, but – you know, he's 34 now, Joe, and you got to think with a knee injury like this, you know, he's already had two serious back injuries with the uh, with the Tigers earlier this season. So, you know, is this the end of the road for, for a guy that, you know, played 12 to 14 years in the big leagues, did a bunch of home runs, had a, had a solid career? Yeah, Wilson Ramos, uh, you could tell when he was running out ground balls, uh, you know, even prior to that over the weekend, he uh, – he did not put a lot of effort into that, knowing that, you know, for him, if he's not going to have a base hit, he's not going to kill himself. He needed to preserve himself uh, to be on the field uh, maintenance at, at, at age 34. But uh, you're right. He did provide a little bit more offense than anything. What Roberto Perez or, or Austin Hedges had, had been able to produce at the plate this year. Uh, and he was maybe in a position if he had stayed healthy, uh, and the Indians had decided to part ways with with Perez at the end of the season. You know, he had an outside shot of of, of making the club next year uh, if if that was the, the direction the team decided to go, just as sort of a stopgap until they can get one of the younger catchers up here. 
yeah, you know, I think he, he did a nice job. He, you know, he, he filled in like uh, Rivera filled in for him, you know, earlier in the season, Lavarnway filled in for him. They've had a bunch of those, you know, kind of veteran guys come up and do a nice job for him. And now, Joe, the question is who, who gets the call to uh, replace uh, Ramos? Yeah, the options that, uh, you know, are down there, I guess they're, they're pretty loaded down there in Columbus in terms of uh, their, their, their catchers on the roster. They've got Gavin Collins, Ryan LaVarnway, uh, you know, people who are going to, you know, start clamoring for Bo Naylor. I think he's a, a guy who's still a few more years away, maybe a year or more away, uh, still down in Akron. So uh, just, you know, maybe pump the brakes on that. But there are a couple of guys to get through before you get to, uh, to Bo Naylor. Yeah, and I thought maybe, you know, they bring up Perez back uh, and not have him go on a rehab. But, you know, I was told that they need, that he definitely needs to go on a rehab. So, you know, they're going to have to make a move. Uh, it could be Gavin Collins. It could be a LaVarnway, uh, Ryan LaVarnway. And we'll find out. we got to find out pretty soon here because, you know, they, they, need, a, they need a backup catcher uh, tonight uh, against the Royals. Right. I, I, the emergency catcher is Yu Chang. If you – if you wanted to yeah. roll the dice for uh, roll the dice for one night and, and, you know, make sure that Austin Hedges gets through the game uh, uh, tonight, maybe uh, you, you, you make sure that you Chang has the, uh, the shin guards strapped on at some point and, and keep him out of the starting lineup. But uh, who knows? Uh, I, I think it's probably more likely that they, uh, they make a move. They bring up uh, one of the young catchers from Columbus and, and go with them. Uh, again, the, the roster will look different tomorrow at some point. Uh, they're probably going to bring Tristan McKenzie back after his stint on the 10 day injured list with, uh, you know, shoulder fatigue. Uh, they will probably activate Harold Ramirez at some point for the outfield. Uh, that means at least right now, one, one spot's got to go, uh, there, there's gotta be some movement, but, uh, no, wait, the, uh, the, the roster expands to 28. I apologize. Yeah. Roster expands to 28 on, on September 1st. So uh, those two spots will be will be spoken for. Yeah, it's going to be weird, Joe. I mean, uh, we kind of went through this last year with only the, you know, two call-ups, you know, as opposed to, you know, for, for what seemed like, uh, you know, uh, uh, for 100 years where they could, you know, expand the roster to up to 40 players uh, in September, uh, after September 1st, all the, every, every team. But, you know, that, I think, uh, you know, obviously that created, you know, kind of a, uh, an, you know, an unbalanced system really where, you know, some teams called up everybody, some teams didn't. And so, you know, the teams that called up the most players, you know, they really had an advantage, especially if they were in contention and, you know, you could run, you know, you could run a, a reliever out there, you know, five, six different relievers out there after, you know, after your starter leaves. So, you know, they wanted to uh, make it a level playing field, make it, uh, you know, more like the baseball that is played for the first uh, five months of the season. And I think it's right. a good move. Right. You're playing basically two different games. If you're, if you're playing, you know, four months of the season with uh, a 26 man roster, and then the last month of the season with a, you know, a 40 man roster available to you, uh, it, the games are slower. There are a lot more pitching changes. Uh, you know, the whole pace of play initiative comes into comes into question there. Uh, a guy like, you know, Tito would have loved it having a, a bullpen with, you know, 13, 14 arms in there. But 
it, it really does make the games unbearable to watch. It makes them even more unbearable to cover. Uh, thank goodness the Indians' schedule goes back to uh, 6 p.m. starts on uh, beginning in September this year uh, because, uh, you know, it makes, makes hitting that deadline a lot easier. But uh, I, I got to believe I, 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 it, the games are going to look a little, a little more competitive or, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, the only thing is for a team in, in Cleveland's position where you're not necessarily, you know, competing for those spots in the, in the postseason or in the division or whatever, an opportunity to maybe see some of those guys, maybe a guy like a Nolan Jones makes a, makes his debut in September at some point. And, and that's possibility is still there. He could still get a call up, but it takes away your ability to maybe get a good look at a, a young guy over a, you know, a 30 day stretch there. Yeah, no, no doubt about that, Joe. And, uh, you know, I think the the one good thing about this is, uh, you know, the uh, AAA season continues, you know, deep into September. So there's still going to be, you know, the, the front office is going to act like, you know, they're going to be, option, be optioning guys and, you know, selecting contracts. So it's going to be business as usual. So I think if the Indians, if there's a guy down there or two or three guys down there that they want to get a look at, I think they'll be able to do that. Yeah, and 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 maybe you're able to give, uh, you know, some of the veterans. Jose Ramirez never wants to take a day off, but maybe you just force him to take a day off just for his own good, uh, maybe just to keep him healthy and fresh. And and if you do that, you can, you can, you know, bring a guy up and without a, a lot of, uh, you know, fuss about it. To, you know, that's the case. All right, uh, Indians did make uh, another move uh, during their off day. They they made a trade. Uh, they traded Brad Peacock, uh, who had signed and was uh, working down at AAA. Um, he heads to Boston for cash. Uh, generally, in a trade like that, the cash considerations is just enough to cover what the Indians had paid him in salary during his time with the team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I got a couple emails after I wrote about this trade, and uh, they said, well, I thought there was a trading deadline. I thought you couldn't trade after the deadline, but you know, Peacock had signed a minor league deal. So that's why the, uh, you know, they weren't trading a guy off the 40 man roster. They were trading, you know, a minor leaguer and that's why uh, they were able to do that. And uh, yeah, I think you're, you know, the cash considerations is probably just around, you know, I, I would think what you said, Joe, what, whatever his salary was, maybe it's a hundred grand, whatever that is, you know, that's, that's what that is. Right. Well, and people read, you know, they traded him for cash and, they think, oh well, the Indians don't have any money. They're they're trading players for, for cash because they're they're strapped and they're whatever. No, this is this is just a, a basically a move to get Peacock into a position where he's got an opportunity. Not uh, it, it's done more for the the player and the other team as a as a courtesy. And you know Boston covers what they paid what what the Indians paid him. Yeah, and Peacock will be eligible for the uh, postseason with Boston because he wasn't on the Indians' forty man roster. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because Peacock had a had a had a tough time in Columbus. I guess maybe he started to you know kind of find his form the last couple of times out, but still his numbers were not very good. You know, this is a guy that hardly pitched at all last year for Houston. I mean, he's got a good track record. You know, the back of his baseball card is impressive with the work he did with the Astros, but it's been a while. But Boston is in a jam with uh, COVID. And uh, they need some, they need some arms, obviously. Well, and that's what, you know, I wanted to, to mention that obviously Boston came in here 
uh, through the whole weekend series, they were dealing with COVID outbreaks and pretty much every day they were uh, losing players left and right off of their roster. Christian Vasquez uh, tested positive, their catch, catcher on um, right before Sunday's game. Uh, they've had relievers and, and starters, you know, missing time. Uh, the, the guy that uh, Arauz or Arauz, who hit the, the three-run homer uh, to win the game on Friday night, he had just been called up and was on a bus, you know, two hours before game time from Buffalo uh, before he stepped in and, and, and did that to the Indians on Friday. So, uh, yeah, pretty much a free-for-all. And it's just a reminder at this point, uh, you know, with the, the Delta variant and with the, you know, the, the rapid spread that's going on right now of COVID-19, even with people who are vaccinated, uh, it's still time to be cautious and careful. And Major League Baseball has to be worried about, you know, the possibility of losing the, you know, all we talked about at this point last year was, you know, how worried baseball was about the potential to lose the playoffs or, you know, and, and lose playoff games to this if teams aren't careful. Uh, the Indians have been, you know, knock on wood, pretty lucky so far. But then you come to Sunday night and I'm seeing social media posts of pretty much half the team showing up at the Jake Paul fight unmasked and, and in a indoor arena with, you know, thousands and thousands of spectators. Yeah, that's uh, I think probably Chris Antonetti was cringing. I don't, maybe I don't know. Was Antonetti there? I don't think Antonetti was there. I, you know what? It the Jake Paul fight doesn't strike me as a place where I where we would find Chris Antonetti. But you know, I've, stranger things have happened. I'm sure. But hopefully, though, all those guys that that were there were were vaccinated and at least gives them some defense against uh, catching. You know, contracting the you know uh, COVID nineteen and and bringing it back to the clubhouse. Well, and that, that's the thing is exposing the rest of your teammates. That, that would be the, the, the big problem. I did see uh, uh, at least one uh, photo of, uh, you know, uh, a, a slugger who I, I guess I can not out him uh, in this format, but uh, he was, did take a picture with Jake Paul after the fight. Actually, he's got a picture with Logan Paul and Jake Paul. So he, uh, he, he did well, but uh, you know, hopefully he, is designated to hit for the Indians uh, tonight and, and won't be a, a problem is if that's a clue. Uh, so yeah, it, just got to watch that and, and, and keep an eye on that. Uh, we wanted to now go and take a look at the, the races, the division races as they stand uh, right now for major league baseball. And obviously the Indians are in second place in the American league Uh Central Division, uh, they trail the White Sox by 10 games. Uh, White Sox at 76 and 56 and playing, uh, you know, swinging the bats real well right now. Um, they are four games ahead of Detroit at this point uh, in second place. So, you know, really a, a good opportunity there to, to, you know, finish strong and, and stay in second place in the American League Central. Yeah, they had that good, uh, good home stand, Joe. You know, went six and three against the Angels, Texas, and Boston, and that kind of distanced themselves. Um, be, you know, uh, away or at least gave them some operating room, some elbow room over the the Tigers for that second place uh, spot in the division. So they should, you would think they'd be able to hang on to that, but we'll see how it goes. But you know, and uh, yeah, and and Chicago, you know, is just kind of 
<clears throat> I think they've got the biggest lead of uh, the biggest lead in baseball in uh, as a mm-hmm. first place team. Right. Yeah. Milwaukee's lead over Cincinnati in the NL Central is nine and a half games uh, going into play tonight. But uh, you know, as far as the wild card standings go, the Indians are eight and a half back of Boston uh, for that second place wild card spot. They've got Oakland, Toronto, and Seattle uh, between them. And uh, the, the Yankees are, are two games up on Boston uh, for that wild card spot. So right now it looks like uh, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Houston are pretty much locks in, in their respective divisions. Uh, New York and Boston are going to fight it out with Oakland and maybe Toronto, Toronto, Seattle to, uh, to find out what that uh, wild card pairing is going to look like. Uh, the Indians obviously still have a shot, but eight and a half games is a long way to go in just the next 30 days. Yeah. And what, what do you think the Yankees feel like, Joe? They rattled off 13 wins, their longest winning streak since 1961. And Tampa Bay never, never blinked. Just, they just kept winning. And Tampa Bay has a seven-game lead in the mm-hmm. AL East over the, over the Yankees. It's, it's got to be really, really frustrating uh, yeah, I don't, for, I, for, for New York. I don't think anybody thinks that the Yankees are going to run them down. Uh, the, the Yankees did lose three games in a row after that long winning streak. So, uh, they're, they're currently at that in, in that position. So, uh, Tampa Bay just looks strong and they look like they're, they're in a good position, uh, and what 83 wins. That's the, what the second most, uh, no, yeah. The second most wins in baseball, San Francisco still, I I'm telling you what Gabe Kapler has done out there, uh, with a staff that's mostly comprised of guys who've never played in the majors. I mean, nine of his first 12 hires when he he uh he joined the the or when he took over in in san francisco had never even played major league baseball uh these are he he hired the 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 analytics guys all the uh all the baseball nerds are are his coaches and and staff uh it's it's pretty amazing yeah they've done a great job uh putting that team together uh they've got a game and a half lead over the dodgers in the al west and uh, I think they've head to head. They've done a nice job against the Dodgers as well. So it's going to be it's going to be fun race uh, going down to stretch with those two teams. Yeah, one of those two teams is going to win the West, and one of those two teams is guaranteed the to host the 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 NL Wild Card game uh, because right now the, the Dodgers are twelve and a half up on Cincinnati. Uh, the Reds just acquired Delano DeShields Jr from the uh, Red Sox. So Delano DeShields and Delano DeShields Jr. reunited uh, father and son because uh, Delano DeShields is, uh, I believe, the first base coach for the, the Reds. So they'll be uh, on the field together uh, if, if Delano is, is activated by the Reds there. Um, and Cincinnati still in a pretty good position. Uh, you know, they're going to be in a dogfight now with St. Louis and Seattle. Uh, for that second wild card spot. Yeah, and uh, um, you know David Bell got to think he's going to get some manager of the year votes. I think he's done a great job there. They, you know, I thought they were done a couple times. They've come, they've hung in there. They've come back, and uh, you know they, you know Milwaukee's got a big lead in, on them in in the uh, uh, NL Central, but they've done a good job. That, that's and then Tyler Naquin is. Has, has helped them too. He's, had, he's been in the middle of most everything for them. 
Yeah, could you imagine if Tyler Nagrin were playing right field for the Indians this season? That that's how things would be different. Uh, but you're right. You bring up a good point. Manager of the year in the National League. Boy, am I glad that I'm voting uh, manager of the year in the American League because that National League would be tough to pick. You've got Kapler, you've got Craig Council, and uh, you know, like you said, you've got David Bell, uh, absolutely deserving uh, all all of them, and and even Mike Schilt. I mean, he's yeah, he's done he's doing a, a great the, job in Atlanta, you know, especially uh, <laughs> with the the injuries they've had. Well, and they've almost totally remade their roster since the beginning of the year. So uh, just to keep things uh, afloat there, I, it, lots of fun uh, at, at this point to try and pick uh, a manager of the year in the uh, National League. Uh, speaking of the National League East, and uh, we want to wrap up with uh, one more thing. Uh, Hoinsey, have you ever seen uh, a, a more ridiculous controversy than New York Mets players uh, ostensibly led by Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor, uh, showing their uh, sort of disapproval or anger towards the Mets fans by giving a thumbs down sign every time they get a base hit or hit a home run or score a run. Or, uh, you know, this is something if you think back, if you look back to like 2017, 2018 with Lindor here in Cleveland, there was always that those, those little hand gestures. When the Indians would, you know, steal a base or hit an RBI double, uh, the player would be standing on second base and clapping and and giving some sort of like you know fist bump or yeah. you know uh, fists to the helmet or something like that. I, I'm positive this is something that Lindor sort of coordinated, and he just recently today came out with an apology, apologizing to to Mets fans. But this is your guy making you know 340 million dollars for the next 10 years. And he's out there basically giving the middle finger to your fans every time he gets a hit. Yeah, and you saw what Sandy Alderson uh, said, that this, this will not stand. We're not, you know, we, we appreciate, we love our fans. We love their passion. If we're, and they have every right to, uh, dis, you know, to, uh, to show us their displeasure when we're not playing well. Francisco Lindor, Joe, this, this was, you know, I can't Who is this he, guy? Yeah, he, you know, from what I read, it was Javi Baez that, that, that came over and brought this with the Cubs. But Lindor buying in, I mean, he's the face of the franchise. You can't do that. I mean, he's got to be smarter than that, Joe. I mean, first of all, really this is not the Francisco. This is not the Francisco Lindor that we knew here in Cleveland. He's not the same person. He just, he's Frankie, when he was here, you know, was always, always did the sort of the right thing. You, you could, you could count on one hand the number of times he said something that sort of made you stop and go, huh? I mean, but this is like a, a weekly occurrence now in, is, since he got to New York. He is, he is yep. definitely a changed person. Uh, I disagree with what you just said. You, you read something that said Javi Baez brought this over from Chicago. Look, they know that Javi Baez is a free agent at the end of the year and that he's probably not going to be with the team. So it, it behooves the New York media to paint Javi Baez as the the outside influence here because they're, they're stuck with Lindor. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah, right. Uh, this is Lindor. I, like I said, back in 17, 18, 19, every time the Indians would do something successful on the, on, on offense and we're on reach base, they give a hand gesture. They tap their helmets or something. That's all Francisco Lindor. That's not Javi Baez. I, yeah. I, I believe it. I, I think this is, this is something that went a little too far and Baez just couldn't keep his mouth shut about it and said, look, when you boo us for, for 
you know, not succeeding. When we succeed, we're going to boo you. And this is, this is their gesture to the fans to say, ha ha, you know, we, you know, we, oh, we play for the fans. No, you, you, you play for the, the millions of dollars that you make. That's, that was garbage. Yeah. Joel Sherman wrote a great column for the New York post on it and said, basically, you know, bias is just the, uh, he's a messenger. The guy in the middle of this is Lindor because bias is going to be gone. He'll be gone at the end of the year, but Lindor's there for, like you said, for 10 more years. If he didn't want it, if he didn't want, he knew what was going on in New York. He knew the kind of market he was going to. And if he didn't want that money, he should have gone somewhere else and, and, you know, became a free agent and, and hit the market this winter. But, uh, you know, he's been booed since the start of the season because he hasn't performed. And, uh, you know, hey, this is it. That, that's New York. That, would, can you imagine <laughs> booed, giving thumbs down to the New York fans? That's going to appease something? That's going to make this go away? That is, there's, that'll just make it worse. You, he just put a, a bigger target on his back. I mean, if he were in Philly, they'd be throwing stuff at him. So, it's, yeah. So, it, I mean, it just, that's insane. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe someone told, even suggested that that was a good idea. And he went along with it. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's something that came about organically. You know, he might have done it the first time he reached first base, looking back into the dugout and, and sort of gesturing to his teammates, haha, this is funny. And then, you know, they sort of kept up and picked up and, and rolled with it. But you, you can't do what Javi Baez did. Basically, Javi Baez, who's one of Lindor's, you know, good buddies and friends. Yeah. Uh, he basically threw his boy under the bus there because it's – you're stuck, man. You're not going anywhere. So, all right. Uh, uh, that's their headache. They can worry about that and write columns about that now. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're moving forward here in Cleveland. Uh, Hoinsey, we'll I'll look forward to your coverage of the series opener – uh, tonight in Kansas City. And uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Jeff.